eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at gopowercat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald to GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio, because I don't like him, is Scott <laughs> Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, KU1. 1-0. Fitz, KU1. Kansas, K-State, 1-0. It doesn't matter how you do it. I think that's what anyone in Lawrence is saying, and the opposite is what everyone in Manhattan is saying. Pretty clear it's the new OU in Texas of the Big 12. <laughs> You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net on the 24 seven sports network. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Fitz, K-State debuted with a 24-7 victory over Stanford. Were you surprised by how easy the Wildcats made it look? Yeah, You know, Scott, going into this game, I was really confident. I thought K-State would win this game, but they just kind of cruised through it. Mm-hmm. Even their first drive that ended with an interception in the end zone, they made that look easy until the pick. And they just kind of went up and down the field as they wanted to. And, and in the second half, Stanford made some adjustments to slow down the K-State offense, but Stanford's offense never really found any groove. And Deuce Vaughn was just really special. Skyler Thompson was really rock solid. But mostly it was the defense for K-State that made this game such a mismatch because they didn't let Stanford do anything the Cardinal really wanted to do. They kept held them under 40 yards rushing for the entire game while K-State broke off some chunk plays, including a long run by Deuce Vaughn. And the first touchdown of the season went to Skylar Thompson, who absolutely flattened the Stanford tackler and sent a message with that. It was an impressive performance by K-State. Far from perfect. They got a lot of things they can work on. They can certainly amp up the offense more as the season progresses. And you do stop and question how good Stanford actually is. This has been a pretty good program under David Shaw, but it didn't look that way. Uh, it was particularly when Deuce Vaughn just split the defense and ran for like 55 yards for a touchdown. So a really nice opening performance for Kansas State. Now, if they'll be able to perpetuate that on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not so sure. But uh, they really did build some confidence. And after the way last season ended with those 
five straight losses, they really needed to kind of kick it into gear. They needed to find a new gear uh, for the program. And Scott, all, all off season, there's been just this quiet confidence about this group. It was like they knew they were going to be better than what anyone expected. They were picked for seventh in the conference. A lot of people were picking Stanford to win this game, even though the Cardinal, they're not supposed to be that good in the Pac-12. So I think they kind of heaped all that disrespect that they felt and put it out on the field and were the far superior team in this game. A great start for K-State's football season. Yeah, Fitz, uh, I caught a good bit of this game, and, and that was my exact takeaway, too. It was, hey, this looks like the, the kind of cupcake you schedule for your season opener, and maybe you're not so sharp, but, you know, you're making the other team play poorly. Just so happened it was another Power 5 school. And they didn't really need to pull out anything fancy on offense. They, they just kind of cruised through it because they knew Stanford wasn't going to outscore them by halftime. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy for the Kansas, but the Jayhawks got their first win in two seasons, defeating South Dakota mm-hmm. with a last-minute touchdown. Scott, what stood out about this game to you? Well, Fitz, there were a few things, a lot of them kind of more on the negative side, but we'll start positive with the, the unit that I thought was the best on the team. I thought could be one of the better ones, but really impressed me, and it was the Kansas defensive line. But, you know, Kansas has had some de- decent defensive lines before. They had Dorrance Armstrong and Daniel Wise, who went on to play in the NFL uh, just a few years ago. So they've had some decent players. But this was a def- defensive front under Lance Leipold that lost two players, uh, two potential starters to SEC programs right before the year. And it was a bit of a question mark. That question mark became even bigger when you lose Sam Burt, the strongest player on the D-line to start the game. But what happened? Malcolm Lee, you saw there with a huge pass breakup. Kansas really won the field position battle more or less all day. Number of times the Jayhawks were able to force South Dakota to punt either into the wind or against a long field. Kyron Johnson was on the other side of the defensive line. He had a sack, a forced fumble. He's a guy, he's played linebacker inside and outside. He's probably built more like a college defensive end just because even though he's not the biggest guy, what he does really well, he's fast. He has this kind of speed rush. Uh, I had talked with him, and he joked about wanting to play every position on the defense, even safety. But I think, Fitz, that's a great spot for him where he can use his skill set. And I mentioned Sam Burke goes down. You have two guys, two young players, Keenan Caldwell and Caleb Taylor. They both step up. Neither one of them had seen much game action before, but they looked great too. So uh, I think Kansas has a lot of issues to clean up, especially offensively, offensive line. I think the defense, the secondary, Uh, That's an area where Kansas can get a lot, a lot better. It didn't burn them in this game, but that was mostly because who you were playing. South Dakota didn't have the quarterback, didn't have the weapons to beat you. But that defensive line looks like a legit Big 12 line to me. It's got a little bit of depth to it. It's got a little bit of edge to it. It plays with a lot of emotion. You have some veterans on the outside. You have a couple Buffalo transfers in there. And then you've got some young guys who, you know, Les Miles brought into this program when he was doing what he was doing on the recruiting trail and bringing in guys that Kansas probably shouldn't have got. Those guys are now going to get coached up by Lance Leipold, Brian Borland, that defensive staff. Uh, and I think Kansas could have a pretty good defensive line. You know what? It wasn't – I thought KU would win. I mm-hmm. predicted that last week. But I, I didn't think they looked quite put together as I yeah. thought they would. What were your thoughts? Does this look like a more complete team than we've seen in the past? Yeah, well, fits and maybe a little bit of a preview for, for just the end of the show. But – Yeah, I thought there were things they did well, things they didn't, uh, being complimentary football, I thought they didn't do. Penalties were an issue. I I thought there was some shakiness with the game day operations. A lot of that stuff I I expect to get ironed out as it goes, but I just think this team is a work in progress right now, and I think that's what we saw. Well, speaking of work in progress, let's continue. (laughs) 
Well, Fitz, the Big 12 went 9-1 and this weekend, but Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma all sort of squeaked by with close wins. Any big takeaways from the first week of Big 12 football? Yeah, it's clear K-State's going to win. <laughs> uh, look, I, the, the first week is the first week, and you get really mixed results, and, and K-State ended up on the upper end of that, while <clears throat> programs like Oklahoma struggled with Tulane. Um, Northern Iowa gave Iowa State fits, which doesn't seem anything out of the norm. It seems like that happens every year. Uh, it, and it's the first week. I remember last year in the first week, Arkansas State beat K-State, and then K-State turned around to beat Oklahoma. So I want to get a little bit deeper into the season before I pass judgment on exactly uh, the good and bad here for this conference. I'll say this, though. I think this, this conference, Scott, might be a little more shuffled uh, mm-hmm. than what the early prog- prognosticators said with this conference, picking K-State seventh, and uh, there seemed to be a real division in the upper and lower. I think this conference is going to be really entertaining this mm-hmm. year. And unfortunately for the conference, I think they're going to start beating each other quite a bit and really cost themselves some spots in the rankings and possibly the standings for the playoff. Yeah, well, Fitz, that was the thing that stood out to me, right? Like Oklahoma not handling Tulane. Maybe that, maybe that's not a huge deal. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But when you watch the, the Big 12 teams play, and even if you're just checking out highlights or looking at stats, you see a lot of teams that could beat other teams in the conference. And just like you were talking about, I'm not sure that's always been the case. It does make for entertaining football. It makes for some great late season matchups, especially with Big 12 title game implications, right? Like TCU or Kansas State or someone could be battling for that second spot against Oklahoma, Iowa State, maybe another team uh, is in the mix that we don't expect at this point. Uh, I think it's all kind of up in the air, and I think that makes for some fun things on a week-to-week basis. If you're a Kansas fan watching some of those games, maybe you're saying, I don't know that West Virginia isn't unbeatable when you get down to week 12 or things like that. Wishful thinking, but it's all part of it. I, I do. I expect a, a really entertaining Big 12 race, but yeah, I, I'm not totally ready to say, you know, OU struggled with Tulane, let's panic about OU now just because, you know, let's see what they do the next three, four weeks. Maybe, you know, they're going to click or things will click there and they'll, you know, start steamrolling teams again. I did like Tulane's uniforms. (laughs) Man, those are sweet. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, will a Big 12 team make the college football playoff this year? We go to the answers. A, yes, Oklahoma narrowly beating out. No, no Big 12 team will make the playoff. That was 39%. Uh, Iowa State, 16% of people think they'll be in, and 5% of people think another team will be in. I guess we should have asked what that team would have yeah, been. Yeah, now I'm really curious. <laughs> Here's this week's question. With the Big 12 set to expand, do you expect the conference to stay together beyond 2025, that's when the end of the grant of rights is in that summer. A is yes, B is no. Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the Drive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome. 
Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. Well, Fitz, K-State came out defensively against Stanford in a three-man front, something that's been rare in the past. Do you expect that to be more common moving forward? Yeah, you know what's interesting about this is we've kind of been hinting at Go Powercat that they were going to shuffle the deck on defense, do some different things. We knew they had the three-man front installed. We didn't know how much they'd use it, and they used it most of the game. We were really shocked by that. Uh, they did come out in a three-man front. They did use two defensive tackles in that three-man front. And they, they really seemed to confuse Stanford with it. They eventually went back to a four-man front as they're going to kind of flex between the two. But they just looked more comfortable, ironically, in a three-man front. So they ended up doing that most of the game. It makes them smaller but faster. They fly to the ball. They really work really good. You, you would think the three-man front and being smaller might hurt their rush defense against a big physical team like Stanford because they're really big up front but it didn't impact them. I mean, it seemed to help them. They really just flew around and wreaked havoc. This is gonna be really fun to watch on defense because this isn't the only wrinkle they put in. They've got some other things they can put out there. And they've had problems with this three-man front. Baylor runs it, Iowa State runs it, uh, because it can morph into many things and it makes it more difficult on your blocking assignments. K-State looked like they'd been running it for a while. The, the most fascinating thing was after the game, Chris Kleiman admitted that he called up a coaching friend because uh, Chris Kleiman is a defensive coach. He was a defensive coordinator before becoming the head coach at North Dakota State, but he'd never run a three-man front before. <clears throat> so he called up a buddy to get advice on how to do this, and then when asked uh, who exactly that was, he said, well, I'm probably not going to share that. <laughs> so now we're all really curious who he got the advice from. Joe Klanderman, the defense coordinator, called a great game for K-State. He had Stanford on its heels for most of the game, and it wasn't until Stanford scored a touchdown very late in the game. They had that shutout rolling, and the defense wasn't very happy. They gave up the shutout, which is usually the sign of a defense with pretty high expectations. So we'll see what they do rolling forward. Southern Illinois, followed by a really good Nevada team. They're probably better than Stanford, and we'll see if they can keep up the defensive pressure consistently and mix mix it up and really confuse opposing offenses. Yeah. Fitz, you know, basketball, the time we talk about positionless in football, that's kind of applying to the front seven now. When you talk yeah. to, to Kansas players last year, they said, yeah, it's a three-man front, but sometimes there's a fourth guy with his hand in the dirt. And now this year, kind of the same deal. They've moved to a 4-3, but sometimes that fourth defensive lineman, more of a linebacker kind of hybrid thing. So I, I think it's interesting what K-State's doing, and it definitely paid off last week. They even stood up Khalid Duke as a linebacker. He's a defensive end at one point. It was fascinating to watch. <laughs> well, Scott, Kansas has a quarterback. I'll turn it over to you. What did you think about Jason Bean leading the offense on Friday? Well, Kansas made the announcement shortly before the game that Jason Bean was going to be the starter. They told him a few days earlier, I guess earlier in the week, never really made a formal announcement to the team, but players afterwards said they kind of figured it out when this guy started getting more and more snaps, which is at least typically how it goes. Now, look, early on, I think Jason Bean struggled some. His accuracy, he didn't look super comfortable. Uh, he was being asked to make a lot of progressions, and I think that caused some hesitancy where he's going from guy to guy to guy, and he doesn't necessarily, you know, is that guy open enough? Should I look to the next one? Where things settled down, it started late in the half. You see that first touchdown throw to LJ Arnold, who's an uber-athletic wide receiver brought in a, a couple years ago by Emmett Jones. Uh, where I think he got most comfortable was when they basically asked him, hey, you've got one read and go to it. You know, uh, Kansas moved the ball better then. They had that fourth down and tight. They didn't get it, but uh, when he had to 
move the ball late in the game on the, the game's final drive. He picked up a fourth and ten. He threw the game-winning touchdown to Lawrence Arnold uh, again, who had two touchdowns on the day. Jason Bean, to me, fits. He looked like more of a Big 12 quarterback and more of an upperclassman quarterback than anything Kansas showed last year. Now, that's not saying a ton, given that the quarterback spot was a huge, huge issue. But I think he brings a little bit of stability. He brings a little bit of experience. You know, this is a guy that none of us knew was going to win the Kansas job for a while. And that's because for a large portion of fall camp, he wasn't quarterback one. He wasn't QB two. He was QB three. He wasn't getting reps with the first team guys. Those were going to Miles Kendrick and Jalen Daniels. But what he did, he kind of stayed consistent. He plugged away. He improved. He uh, seemed to take to the playbook better, learn kind of his reads a little bit better, become more comfortable to where his athletic tools could then elevate him. And, and when you combine that with an availability issue that kind of knocked out one of the top two quarterbacks for a little bit, he got his chance to show that development on the field. He looked good. He took advantage of it. And that's how you become the starting quarterback. I think when they recruited him, the hope was that he would be that guy. But I think it took him some time to, to show that he could be. Wasn't great. You know, decent stats, 160-something yards, two touchdowns. But uh, I, he did enough fits, and I think that's important. Yeah, I, what I saw of him, he was impressive. Looks like uh, It looked like a quarterback. It looked like a field <laughs> a leader out there. He wasn't leader. a 17-year-old freshman. I think that's important for Kansas. And he's one of my top two favorite Mr. Beans in the whole <laughs> world. And if you understand that reference, you're one of my people. And now we step out of bounds. Out of bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, we aren't stepping far out of bounds no. here, but media reports from The Athletic and SI have BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF as the likely four to join the Big 12. What do you think about that group? I think it's the best four that were out there. And there was probably some discussion about Houston and, and going into Texas again and weighing that against some other schools. But the other three were clearly head and shoulders above the rest, being Cincinnati, Central Florida, and BYU. Now, BYU kind of causes a Western Island now. They just solved the West Virginia Island with Cincinnati, but now you've got BYU out West. And Houston keeps them four teams in Texas, which seems to be important to this conference. But I think we all agree Houston is a, a really good athletic program. There was just some pushback maybe about staying with so many Texas schools. <laughs> what I like about this, though, is the balance between football and basketball found here because they didn't just focus on football. And I think it keeps the Big 12 as a superior basketball conference to go along with some pretty good football programs. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to understand that BYU and Central Florida and Cincinnati are all top 25 type programs, uh, not, if not this year, within recent years. And I think that really bodes well for the conference. And you, yeah, you lose some high profile teams, but the product on the field, I think it's gonna be pretty darn good and I'm excited about it. Yeah, Fitz, I definitely agree. I mean, we've seen some of these programs, I mean, like you mentioned, not just football, but especially in football, have really, really impressive seasons. Uh, obviously, TV markets are a part of it, expanding and, and getting into, you know, getting new eyeballs on the sport, getting uh, some programs that have some pretty passionate fan bases, too. I think that'll be cool. Uh, and then, you know, just one final other aspect of it, you add a national champion in UCF to replace, you oh. know, a program that could be winning oh, national yeah. championships in Oklahoma. By the way, tough start for Houston, now 0-1 in the Big 12 after a loss to Texas Tech. Yeah, I was really confused. Was that a conference game or not? But... They looked good for a while against Texas Tech, and then they didn't. Yeah. Now let's hear from the fans, and our fan question is sponsored by Metal Arc, supporting people in living their best lives. 
Well, our fan question this week, it's for you, Fitz, I assume. What'd you make of Skylar Thompson's debut? And that's from Jack in Manhattan. Well, thank you, Jack. You know, I thought he was solid. And I don't, I don't think he was overwhelmingly good. Uh, but he did throw the ball fairly decently, except for that pick on the first drive for Kansas State. And that was more just a really athletic play by a Stanford corner. I don't think it was a bad throw or anything other than a corner made one heck of a play. Skyler's going to be fine. And, I, you know, I think people might expect too much of him sometimes, but I also think he made some really nice plays. He's so good at extending plays and drives with his legs, and that's just a valuable tool for any offensive coordinator to have, a quarterback that will just pick up first downs some way and he that a number of times. Two plays that stood out to me. One you mentioned running over a guy, and uh, the second one where you know you kind of just talked about him extending things with his legs, looking, looking, keeping his eyes downfield, and then he finds the guy for a, for a big gain. Those kinds of plays you don't see young quarterbacks make those. You see veteran quarterbacks right. make those plays, and I think that's the value of having a, a super senior quarterback like. Yeah, that. he knew when to stay in and when to throw the ball. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember, make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive13. Let's look at last week's results. The viewers went one and two. I went two and one. Scott went two and one. And we are calling the rest of the season off. It's a tie between Scott and I. Congratulations on the tie, Scott. Thank you, Fitz. Really proud of my performance this year and uh, glad I bounced back. But let's go on to this week's picks, just in case we want to pretend this is still a contest. Kansas. Plus 27 and a half at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is favored by almost four touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, Fitz, I, I looked at some models that had this as a 20-point game, maybe a little less than that. That's where I think this game is. I, I wouldn't be stunned if it's a big margin, but 27 and a half, that's too high. I'm taking Kansas. I'm taking KU, too. That's, that's crazy. And if it's that bad, oh, oh. <laughs> Well, uh, Fitz, next, K-State, we put this at minus 19.5 for Southern Illinois. What do you got? Well, K-State win by 20 or more. Southern's pretty good. They're pretty good. They cruise their opener, but I think K-State will have a good day. Well, Fitz, knowing absolutely nothing about Southern Illinois, I will take Southern Illinois to cover. Do you know what a Saluki is? Yes. Okay, good. Well, I I know the mascot. What is a Saluki? It's a dog. Our last game of the week is Iowa State, minus 4.5 versus Iowa. They don't leave the state again. I'm going to go with Cyclones. They'll win by five or more. Iowa, very, very impressive in uh, first game of the season. I'll go with Iowa, but, yeah, should be a fun game. I have no idea who's going to win that. It's going to be entertaining. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by local for a strong local community. We start with Mr. Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Well, Fitz, I mentioned Kansas still kind of being a work in progress. I think that showed in a few ways. Uh, Penalties were not quite what you'd expect for a coach who cares so much about the details. Kansas had back-to-back false starts at one point. I think they had three false starts, another kind of formation penalty. They had an offsides that gave the other team a first down. 
You had Lance Leipold burn a timeout after a kickoff. He was angry about the clock. Uh, Kansas only had 10 guys on the field. They had to burn that second timeout early in the second half. Then later, he wants to challenge a fourth and one that it looked like Kansas got. The referees marked him short, but he's only got one timeout left, so he was kind of scared off from doing it and didn't end up challenging what could have been a game-changing play. Lots to clean up, lots to clean up, but I think uh, knowing Lance Leipold, those are the things he kind of lives to work on, so I think uh, Kansas will get those things figured out. About 25,000 K-State fans made the journey to Dallas, and it was impressive to watch the crowd. It wasn't a huge crowd, but it was a fun environment. K-State has its home opener on Saturday against Southern Illinois, as we just discussed. And as of this weekend, they had about 3,000 unsold seats, and they really want to sell it out. It'll be very interesting. Let's see if people can indeed fill the bill. But the week after that, Nevada, and I think Nevada is better than Stanford. It's going to be fun. That's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.